This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. That sounds like an adventure movie, doesn't it? Exactly. Good morning. My name is Ron, and uh, I'm New Life Senior Pastor, and uh, I'm going to be sharing the Bible teaching with you this morning. What day is today? Easter. Easter. Well, I want to teach you something this morning. It's real simple. Um, In many cultures, there's a standard Easter greeting. And I know it's a little more formal than what we usually do around here, but I want to teach it to us anyway. And so uh, in many cultures on Easter morning, the first person will say, Christ is risen. And the response that is given back is, he is risen indeed. So you're ready to exchange that? Here we go. Christ is risen. You know, what, you know what's so great about that? It's not just the greeting. It's a central truth of Christianity. It is the heart and soul. Most of us recognize that in a race, perhaps the most important and focal point of a race is the finish line. Have you ever noticed that there are no cameras halfway through where, where, where they take pictures to see who's ahead halfway through? But at the end, they have cameras set up because sometimes it's a photo finish because the finish line is the most important part of the race. Well, I want you to know that everything, every promise that Christ made, he actually affirmed through his resurrection. Because if Jesus promised to be who he was and promised to give us what he promised to give us, but he did not or could not raise himself from the dead, why, friends, you have a check and it's bogus. I don't care what the amount is because the account's not good for it. But the fact that he made good on that promise is certainly an indicator that all the lesser promises that he made are certainly going to be good and, and good for us. So, welcome. Now, I realize that many of you are here for the first time. Some of you, because you are out-of-town guests, I want to welcome you. Some of you are in-town guests who, frankly, have been drugged here by a well-intentioned family member or friend. You never thought I'd be that honest with you, did you? I I have a couple things to say to you other than welcome. I'm glad you're here. Uh, Number one, I think you're going to learn something today that will actually improve your life. And number two, I think you're going to encounter God. I'm going to talk with you a little bit later about a divine appointment. But it's my prayer that many of us who sort of maybe came sort of kicking and being drugged and against our own will. uh, I'm going to read to you some true stories this morning of people who came to church and had their lives forever changed and they never expected it. And my prayer is that that will also happen here this morning. So I welcome you along on that, on that journey. Now, <clears throat> the video that you just saw is about our new teaching series called Identity Theft. I'm sure you, you picked that up. And for the next five weeks, we're going to be talking about identity theft. But I'm not going to be talking to you about how you can safeguard your bank accounts. I'm not going to talk to you about how you can safeguard your your checking accounts, your credit cards, your social security number, any of those things, although that's important. But I'm going to talk to you about something far deeper 
than just your identity out there in the financial world. I want to talk to you about your core identity. Who you are in your spirit. Who you are in your innermost person and innermost being. Because someone could frankly steal the identity off of your credit card and they could perhaps damage your bank account, but they cannot damage your soul. But if someone steals the identity of your soul, friend, it doesn't make a difference what you have in the bank. So we're going to talk about that form of identity theft. Now, to get us started, I want, if you'll open your programs and take out the teaching notes, they look like this. It's a fill-in-the-blank thing. You can fill that out as we make our way <clears throat> through the teaching this morning. I have some props with me this morning. How many of you recognize this? If you ever had little kids, you'll recognize this, right? And it's kind of fun to watch them try to figure out how to put this in. You know, this is actually a child's version of a very much grown-up principle. You know what the grown-up principle is? You cannot fit a square peg into a round hole. Yeah. In fact, if I were to try to drive that in there, what would happen? It would break it, right? Now, if you can remember that lesson, and I know you can, then that's really the lesson of the morning. So I, so I want to point you to our first Bible teaching this morning. Take a look on the video screens because God has some things to say to you about your identity. God wants you to know what your core identity is. I had a good friend in Hawaii. His name was Bill. And Bill was going to go on a mission trip with us. And so he ordered a certified copy of his birth certificate. And I'll never forget the day he came into my office and his shoulders were drooped and his mouth was kind of, his, his lips were kind of dragging at the corners. And I said, Bill, what's up? And he said, I'm not a Bill at all. I'm a James. <laughs> he goes, I knew I had a rough childhood, but I had no idea that I didn't know who I was. I want you to think about that for a minute. God has a deep desire that you would not go through life and not know who you are. He wants you to know right up front who you are. So he's going to talk to you about your core identity. But once you understand what your core identity is, he wants you to embrace it and then hang on to it. Because the amazing thing is, there are some very powerful forces that will seek to separate you from your core identity. They're not all evil, sinister forces. But nevertheless, the results are just as destructive. So here's core teaching number one about our true identity. What people want is unfailing love. I want you to read that out loud with me. Ready? Let's read it together. Ready? What people want is unfailing love. Now we're going to personalize that by saying what I want is unfailing love. Would you say that with me? What I want is unfailing love. Now, in his word, God says that that is a driver in every human being. We search for this unfailing love. And so here is truth number one. Each of us has a hole in our hearts that only unfailing love can fill. It is the proverbial round hole, right? 
And we look for things that we can stuff in that hole. In fact, if you were to look at the list of songs and books and movies that have been put out on our search for unfailing love, it would be limitless. In fact, in your mind, go back and pull down off of the shelf the DVD of Jerry Maguire. Remember that movie? It's famous for three lines. I'll start the first one and you finish it. Show me the... Yeah, right. Okay. A second line that was in there is, you had me at hello. Yes. And the third one, which is the one that's most important, you see, in each one of those, he's talking about a search in his life. And he really felt like if he could put money in that hole, it would work. And then you had me at, at hello. He was actually talking about this unfailing love and recognizing it's not necessarily in money, but in somebody. But he looks at his wife And the third line, he said, you complete me. Now, Monica and I have been married almost 40 years. She is by far my best friend. She knows me better than anybody else. In fact, a true story, when you see her, she's wearing an outfit today that I bought for her, and I'm wearing an outfit that she bought for me. That's how that works, all right? After 40 years of marriage, um, we have a great time. We do balance each other out. And if you know us, we are very different in personality. But the truth is, even after 40 years of marriage, I can't come close to fully completing her. Are you kidding? Monica would never look at the rest of her life and say, you know, Ron, the only thing I need, take everything else out of my life. I just need you. That's it. Now, there might be days when I wish you would say that, and that sounds really romantic, but that's actually not true. And there's no way that she could actually fully complete me. And the truth is, in my search for unfailing love and in her search for unfailing love, if we were to try to put each other in that hole in our hearts that can only be satisfied by unfailing love, the truth is neither one of us would fit in that hole. Because it takes something greater and more than that. In fact, let's take a look. Jesus recognized that. And look, look at what he said here in John chapter 12, verse 43. He looked around and he saw people and he made this observation. They were controlled by the approval of others. Have you ever found yourself in that place? I have. Most of us have. And we've seen people that were controlled by the approval, maybe not just of the crowd, but of one or two individuals. So here's truth number two. Take a look. When we search for our identity in the approval of others, we end up allowing them to direct our lives, and they end up owning our identity. Now, that's a... That's a difficult, difficult place to be, to have other people own our identity. And the sad part is they didn't actually steal it. I read the story of Yvonne King Lewis, a single mother from Atlanta, Georgia, and she didn't know it, but a co-worker of hers actually stole her identity. 
And by the time she discovered that her identity had been stolen, her co-worker got a marriage license in her name. How would you like to find out you were actually married to somebody else? That'd be a little shake. That'd shake you up a little bit, right? She took out multiple loans in Yvonne's name. She bought a car in Yvonne's name. She opened up 25 different credit card accounts in her name, and she ran up over $37,000 worth of debt. You know, when other people own our identity and they start living our life for us, friends, that's a scary, scary place to be. I did a, I did a little research and I found out that <clears throat> according to the Javelin report issued last year, that last year 11.1 million people in the United States became victims of identity theft. The total fraud was a little over $54 billion. The average victim had to spend a little over 21 hours of his or or her own personal time to try to get that crime resolved, and they ended up having to spend a little over $373 per case in order to get it resolved out of their own pocket. You know, when I read that, kind of a shiver went up my spine. And yet, I realized that as bad as identity theft is, 11.1 million people is a small number compared to the number of people in our country who actually give away their identity every day. You realize the primary reason that a young person would join a gang, put his or her life on the line, live an illegal lifestyle, kill, and perhaps be killed, is because they want the approval of other people. Statistics have shown the primary reason that most people take their first drag on a marijuana cigarette or any other illegal drug is because they want to be accepted by a particular crowd. Now, it's easy for us to look at those things and say, that's juvenile. It is. We just have far more sophisticated ways of doing the same thing. Most people, when we buy a car, do not buy a car for what we need. We buy a car for what other people will think of it. I remember a really good friend of mine in Portland, Oregon, years ago when I was in the ministry. I went into his house, and, and I was shocked because this guy had a lot of money, and, uh, and, and I knew that, that finances were no problem for him. I walked into his house, and on his living room floor, there was the ugliest shag green carpet you could imagine. I looked at him and I said, Bud, what's with the shag green carpet? He said, what's wrong with it? I said, man, that was out 20 years ago. He said, Ron, I have a question to ask you. Should I put carpet on my floor that you like or that I like? (laughs) 
That was a big reality check. He said, I happen to like shag green carpet. And I don't care if nobody likes it. That was an interesting mindset. Now, here's the truth. Some of us, even in this audience, live primarily because we want to be needed. And we find ourselves living for the approval of others. Now, Jesus not only observed that, he cautioned us. Take a look at what else he said. He said, there's trouble ahead when you live only for the approval of others. There is trouble ahead when you live only for the approval of others. Um, I have a wonderful mother, and she used to say to me, Son, I don't care who they are. There are everybody sooner or later becomes a pain in the patootie. She was a wonderful Christian lady, and I never asked her what a patootie was. But I'm pretty sure it was on one end of the spinal column or the other. Okay? And the truth is, Monica and I have been married for 40 years now, and there are days when I know she would describe me as that. And there are days when I know she is that, okay? (laughs) You can tell her I said that. (laughs) You know the problem? When we rely too heavily on people, people let us down, even the best people in the world. And here's the truth. I don't care how decent, how kind, how many years you've been a Christian. I don't care even if you're a pastor. When people let you down, there's something that happens on the inside of you that isn't all that good. Because now, here's the truth. Take a look at the next truth. When we search for our identity and the approval of others, we don't end up completed. We end up bitter and broken. I'm going to read you a poem. It was written by a lady who's been a Christian many, many, many years. She loves the Lord with all of her heart, but she does two things. First of all, she's much more honest and open than the rest of us, and she loves to put entries in her journal that are in poetic form. So I'm going to read you, with her permission, I'm going to read you a poem uh, from her journal. Are you ready? Dear Lord, it's me again. Have you got a little time? It'll only take a minute. I've got something on my mind. You know, I've got this neighbor and your help I've come to seek, for I find it very difficult to turn the other cheek. You see, we've got two poodles that we've come to love a lot, and Lord, you know that dogs must go outside to use the pot. I said honest, right? All right, here we go. Most always they stay in our yard. They don't stray far from home. But last Thursday they decided to her front yard to roam. Lord, they don't know any better and they didn't mean to harm, but they made a small deposit in the middle of her lawn. Well, she went and got her shovel and with words a little scorched, she marched up to my front door, Lord, and threw it on my porch. Love thy neighbor as thyself are words that came from you. 
And if I want to get to heaven, I must want that for her too. So I'm trying now to love her, even though it's sometimes hard, and I'm making sure my poodles don't wander to her yard. I pray she'll get to heaven. But should no one be around, could you grant me just one wish and put some dog dew in her crown? (laughs) How many of you have ever felt a similar thought to that? That's just being truthful, right? Yes, because everyone eventually becomes a pain in the patootie. That's just how life works. We can't find unfailing love in each other. Would you like to know the Lord's answer? Well, he did give her an answer. Here it is. My child, I hear you praying. I've listened to your plea. I think I have an answer if you'll listen now to me. When both you and your neighbor have been here for a while, perhaps she'll dance on golden streets and step in a great big pile. (laughs) But there's more. And then, my child, you'll go to her and help her to her seat, and with your towel and basin, you'll humbly wash her feet. How does that happen in our lives? How could that possibly happen in our lives? Well, here's the answer. Take a look at the screen. In Ephesians chapter 3, I pray, this is the Apostle Paul praying actually for all Christians. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, that God will empower you with the inner strength through His Spirit. Now I want you to underline these next few words. Then Christ will make His home in your hearts. We're going to come back to those in a little bit. As you trust in Him. Your roots will will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand as all God's people should how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Now underline this. Then you will be made what? Wow. You will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. So here's the next Bible truth. When we look to our Heavenly Father, we find our true identity in experiencing His unfailing love. Let's go back to the movie vault and let's pull pull out one more movie. And this movie is Born Identity. You've seen that movie, right? In that movie, Jason Bourne opens a briefcase, and in that briefcase or suitcase, there's about a dozen passports, and each one is different, but each one has his name on it. And he spends the rest of the movie, while all hell is breaking loose around him, trying to figure out who he really is. Have you ever thought about how much like like life that is? When we're growing up, turning from toddlers into teens turning from teens into college students, 
turning from college students and getting married, trying to figure out our career, dating, getting married, having kids, raising kids. And when we get our kids raised and we say goodbye to them, we think, wow, now I'm ready to live. And then you have grandkids and you have a whole other layer of stuff that comes into your life. Now, while all of that stuff is going on and you're trying to do all those things, you're trying to figure out, who am I? Who am I really? Because there's a lot of people who are pulling on you in all kinds of different directions for you to become what they want you to be and to do in their lives what they want you to do in their lives. And you're trying to figure out, who am I really supposed to be? What's my life really supposed to be? What's my eternity supposed to be? You know what that is? You're wrestling with your core identity. I want to point you to a passage of Scripture where God speaks directly to your identity and mine. Here it is. See how very much our Father loves us, for He calls us His what? Children, and that is what we are. I want to point you to one more truth. And here's the truth. You see, what we really need is Jesus. It's not just a better relationship with our wife or our husband. You see, what we've discovered really is that we have a heart and our heart has a hole in it, but it's not round at all. What's the shape? It's the shape of a cross. And in fact... When we take the cross and we put it in there, the heart is complete. And if you forget everything else I said this morning, I want you to understand this, that the message of Easter wasn't supposed to happen like that. (laughs) The message of Easter very clearly and simply is this, okay? Jesus died, was buried And he rose from the dead so that you and I could be God's children. And I don't care what you try to put in the hole in your heart. You put all the money in the world. You can put any relationship you want in there. It will not fill it because that's a space designed for God and God alone. How does that happen? Take a look at John chapter 1, verse 12. To all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. There's a formula in that, and I think you can figure it out. Believe plus accept equals become. Do you see it in there? To all who believed in him and accepted him, he gave the right to become the children of God. And that's the truth. Jesus will not force your identity on you. He purchased for you your core and real and eternal identity that you could and would be a child of God. He made that right available to you. But it's yours by choice. It starts with believing the truth about about Christ, about his death, burial, and resurrection, about his life, about the fact that he's the Savior, and about the fact that he promises eternal life. It starts with believing and then it, then it continues with accepting. That means you don't have to believe that's true. You have to accept it in your life. Invite it in your life. 
I want you to look back at that passage in Ephesians chapter 3. I had you underline two phrases in it. The first one is that Christ would come and live in your hearts. Remember that? Yeah. That's the whole. That's putting Christ in your heart. And then what was the second phrase? That we would be made how? Complete in Him. So it's believing, it's accepting, and it's becoming a child of God. I said earlier that I prayed that there would be divine appointments. Here's what a divine appointment means. It means that sometimes when you go to church, you just go to church to kind of make everybody happy. But once in a while when you go to church, God has an appointment for you and you encounter Him in a way you didn't expect and it changes your life. Those of us who come to New Life regularly can all point back to some divine appointments in our lives where we came to church and it forever changed us. Well, I want to give you three possible divine appointments this morning. And I want you to take that card that Kevin gave you. And as we close, I want you to turn on the back side. You, you filled out the side that says start here. I want you to turn on the back side. Would you get it out right now? There are actually three things that God calls us to this morning. The first option of responding to God is this. I'm choosing to become a Christian today. That's the believe, accept, and become. Say, I'm I'm, I'm choosing to embrace this into my life. From this day forward, I want to be a follower of Christ. I want to live in that new identity, that core identity that he purchased for me. And so if that's a choice that you're going to make this morning, I want you to check that little circle right beside that. And I will personally contact you this week and sit down with you, and I'll lead you through making that choice because that's not something I want you to just have to sort of try to make on your own. I'll guide you through that. Number two, I will come each Sunday during this identity theft teaching series. That's from now through May the 22nd. So that's, that's um, I guess that's four weeks four weeks. Now, the reason that God would have you come through the whole identity theft series, there are two. Number one, he wants you to get that Bible teaching, and we're going to talk about some other ways in which we can lose our identity and be called back to our core identity in God. So that's good teaching, but actually his greater purpose in that is God has a desire to meet with you every Sunday. And if you come four Sundays in a row, hopefully you'll begin to establish that practice in your life so that God can begin to call you into a a more intimate and personal and close relationship uh, with Him. And then last of all, I want to make New Life my church home. Some of us have been coming here long enough that we say, you know, I'm coming here. This is my church home. It's, It's time that I would acknowledge that and get on board with that. We have some things that we would love to do to help you doing that. So I'm going to lead us in prayer. And while I pray... I'm going, to, I'm going to give you time and space to respond to God as he calls you and as he stirs in your heart. Father, in this moment, we pause to pray to you, to reflect, to say how good you are. We pause to work on these three things. God, for those of us that you're stirring and you're, and you're calling us and you've had an appointment with us and, uh, and we know it. God, would you give us the courage to say, today's the day I'm stepping across that line, choosing to become a Christian. 
for those of us that church is a brand new thing. And yet we know that you want it to be more than just a one Sunday thing. God, would you, would you call us and stir in us a commitment that we would come for the next four Sundays in a row and give you a chance to begin to work your way into our life. And then, Lord, for those of us that, that should be ready to make new life our church home, would you call us to that as well? We pray in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.